You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Tim Rice with Get Onto My Cloud, episode 37. Throughout the many years that I've been involved with the business of writing musicals, I've often been asked for advice or guidance on the topic, as if I have access to some kind of secret formula for a hit. I don't think for one minute that there is a formula for creating a successful musical. Have you noticed that most of the how-to-write-a-hit musical books are written by people who've never actually written one? But since 1965, when I first met Andrew Lloyd Webber, and having had a considerable amount of good fortune along the way, I thought I'd assemble a short list of hints and ideas I've picked up through sometimes grisly experience. Okay, so here are the ten Rice Golden Rules which I believe every prospective writer of a musical should at least bear in mind, if not follow to the letter. Some of it comes from the school of the bleeding obvious, but there may be a useful corpuscle or two of observation among them that never crossed your mind. It never entered my mind. Golden rule number one, no one knows anything. However long one's been in the theatre business, quite possibly in any business, no one can say with absolute confidence what's going to work, what is going to be the next big thing. Most people don't even know what the last big thing was. So, if your idea is rejected by all and sundry, including the so-called heavyweights of musical theatre, this doesn't mean it's a bad idea. Of course, it could be a bad idea, but it's a fact that Most of the shows that burst onto the scene out of nowhere, created by unknowns, usually had a tough time getting noticed and thence produced. The obvious example from my personal experience is Jesus Christ Superstar. Nobody wanted to stage it, and as a last resort, we made an album, which did so well, everyone wanted to stage it. Andrew and I were hailed as marketing geniuses by putting out the score before the show, even though it was something we hadn't originally wanted to do. The huge success of the album took us by surprise as much as it did everyone else. No one knew anything, including us. However, if you know you don't know anything, you are one step ahead in the game. I wouldn't blame you if at this point you decide to dispense with my remaining nine golden rules. But for those of you who are sticking with me, golden rule number two, story is king. That's my story and know it's true. A good story preferably a great story, is the most vital ingredient of any musical. In the end, every aspect of the show has to be right, but without a tale that will grip your audience from the first scene, you may be struggling. It's much more likely that a show will be a success with a great story and merely passable score than the other way round, terrific songs but a naff book. Book, of course, refers to the plot of a musical, which can be told with dialogue between numbers or as part of a sung-through piece as per opera. 
Obviously, it's best to get both aspects, story and score, spot on. But even hit songs stuck together won't work as a dramatic musical without plausible drama. Mamma Mia triumphed because the wonderful ABBA material was brilliantly woven into a strong, albeit tongue-in-cheek, story. Shows based on other great song catalogues from the Beatles to Boney M have flopped because the story that was intended to shoehorn the songs into a plausible tale didn't. The story doesn't have to be an original one. In fact, most musicals are derived from another source. A great book, e.g. Les Miserables. A great play, My Fair Lady. Or even a great movie, Sunset Boulevard. Or the Bible. Or history, such as Hamilton or Evita. We were told that Superstar would never be a success because everybody knew the story. We were told that Evita would never be a success because nobody knew the story. What actually mattered was that both were good stories. Whether the lyrics precede the music, or the music precedes the lyrics, or whether both are written around the same time by the same genius, the story should always come first in order to inspire both departments. Golden rule number three, no preaching. If you have a message for the world, don't bang on about it. Insert it with subtlety. For starters, most people go to the theatre, particularly in the case of musicals, hoping to be entertained and have a break from the pressures of their everyday lives. And in many cases, any show which is primarily there to get your viewpoint out to the rest of the world will have lost half of its potential audience before it even opens. Of course, you should be able, must be able, to express opinions, and of course your work can have a point of view, but let the audience discover them rather than have them rammed down their throats in a sermonizing lecture or diatribe in the first five minutes. When the audiences see characters they've come to like, or anyway taken an interest in, when they see them affected by political or social problems or just by sheer bad luck, they will react and appreciate. Even if you have a totally understandable desire to raise awareness about something almost everyone would agree on, such as a cure for cancer, Better to have a hit show about something else which can raise money for the cause than to have a worthy failure solely about the topic. Golden rule number four. Write something you would like if you hadn't written it. I like it. I like it. In other words, be true to yourself. Don't aim at a specific audience, as you'll almost certainly miss. Don't aim at a universal audience because you'll never please everyone. Pursuing either of these routes, you'll probably end up with no audience at all. But if you go for what you like, your work will be honest, uncynical, and there's a fighting chance that others will go for it, because you're not unique. It's also easier to write something you believe in than something which you're writing because you think that's what all or some of the public wants. They probably don't. Golden rule number five, lyrics. No false rhymes, probably. It's only words, and words are all I have to take your heart away. Ironically, this is the area about which I'm most hesitant to offer even vague advice. Clearly, good lyrics, song words, as the great Lionel Bart referred to them, are pretty crucial to any show's success. This doesn't mean they have to be sophisticated or even make sense, as the fabulous song Good Morning Starshine in Hair illustrates. 
Although some would argue that Giddy glup gloopy nibby nabby noopy la 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 lo lo saba sibi saba nubi abba nabba li li lo lo is a sophisticated sensible song. And frankly, I nicked it in Jesus Christ Superstar. Hosanna, hey Zanna, Zanna Zanna ho, Zanna hey, Zanna ho, Zanna. In both cases, the alleged nonsense is very memorable, much more so than a conventional lyric might have been within those particular songs. I'm tempted to say that rhyme is vital, but it's much more important to say that false rhymes should be avoided at all costs. False rhymes like girl and world or time and fine are dire. Unfortunately, I've been guilty of this myself, primarily, I hasten to add, in my very early days. In Go, 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 Joseph, from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, I wrote, Yikes, and there are others, including one or two in Superstar, which I would rather not bring to your attention. I think I've now kicked the habit. However, there are rare occasions when a rhyme that isn't quite true can actually be funny. Again, from Joseph, I wrote the couplet, Biscuit and district are not exact rhymes, but it worked. Maybe nobody noticed. When I did, I tried to change it for one particular production, but I was outvoted by the company, so I let it be. It's more important to rhyme within funny or narrative songs than ballads. In fact, ballads are often better with fewer rhymes. There's nothing worse than a rhyme that you can see coming from miles away. In comic or light-hearted songs, the tempo is generally such that an audience doesn't have time to anticipate a rhyme, and there are so many more rhyming possibilities anyway. But in ballads, this is usually not the case. In a song like I Don't Know How to Love Him from Superstar, or even Don't Cry For Me Argentina from Evita, too many rhymes would have been distracting. The vocabulary you can dip into for a romantic ballad, or for a melody that only has room for a few words, is much more restricted than it would be for a comic number, in which the more unusual words you can use, slang maybe, or even made-up words, the more you can use them, the better. Nevertheless, almost all rules for lyrics are there to be broken if they can be done so with imagination or via a whole new approach such as Lin-Manuel Miranda's brilliant internal rhyming and rap influences in Hamilton. So the only rule is really, no rhyme at all is better than a false one, except for Biscuit and District. And remember that the lyrics are there to serve the music. Golden rule number six, the music is not just a batch of songs. Well, I've got a handful of songs to sing you. The most important thing about the music in a musical, be it sung through, opera-like, or as in a conventional book musical, supported by spoken dialogue, is that the songs are first and foremost parts of a collective whole, with a common style and common emotional thread, whether or not they are ballads, rockers, or in between. Sometimes the music, as in Joseph, can embrace a variety of different styles, but the score should never just be a batch of numbers, 
however good each one might be. The flavour and fun of Andrew's eclectic Joseph score is consistent, whether the song is a country and western parody, a French chanson, or 50s rock and roll. Andrew's marvellous melody for Don't Cry For Me Argentina first appears in Evita as an up-tempo Oh What A Circus, and many of the other musical themes reappear in different guises at different times. Even the mistress's well-known melody, Another Suitcase in Another Hall, returns briefly to haunt Ava as she comes to terms with her illness. What happens now? What happens now, she sings. Just as the young girl she so viciously expelled from Perron's apartment had sung years before. And remember that the music is there to serve the lyrics. Golden rule number seven, keep it short. This is pretty straightforward to understand, but not as easy to do as you think. It's agony cutting any part of your magnificent oeuvre. If a producer or theatre owner, thinking perhaps of overtime payments, curfews, lavatory maintenance, etc., wants everybody out by 11pm. But even if you feel that such mundane considerations are not something that should concern or affect an artist with your creative vision, the producer may well be doing you a favour by imposing a time limit. All musicals are 10 minutes too long. In fact, almost everything in life is 10 minutes too long, but there's not much you can do about that. Try and keep your show down to two hours at the most. You will almost certainly fail in this endeavour. True, plenty of mammoth hits have gone on for almost three hours, sometimes feeling more like three days. But aim for two hours max, and you'll wind up with two and a half, and you'll be more succinct, and will delight more theatre-goers than if you aimed for three hours and wound up with four. If the punters are desperate for more, they can always come and sit through the show again and pay for it again. Golden rule number eight, launch the show with a live performance. The next two rules are concerned with getting your show off the ground in the first place. It's a sad fact of life that if you send a recording of your work to a major producer, director or star in whatever format, there is little chance of it being listened to thoroughly except possibly by the office junior, whose views will not cut much ice on Monday morning anyway. This tragic state of affairs is simply because major producers, directors or stars have more than enough on their plates already. That's why they're major. Your effort will join several dozen other recordings of hopeful material on their desk, and even if listened to, will struggle to impress or stand above the crowd. However expensive or illustrious the demos, nothing can make an impact more powerfully the live performance. Anyone can make a top-quality album in their front room these days, but to know whether it could move or entertain a theatre audience, a live performance is still vital. It does not have to be an expensive undertaking. A school choir of 8- to 11-year-olds were the first to perform Joseph, and it showed us pretty quickly that we were on the right track when the parents cheered the then 20-minute piece to the rafters. Giving an audience a good time, or a worthwhile time, or both, is really the be-all and end-all. Seeing that we'd written something that resonated with at least two generations, we turned our attention to progressing the work by further live Joseph performances, and eventually these led to a publishing contract, a recording contract, and professional representation. We were off and running, or at least trotting. Golden rule number nine, better to start with fun 
rather than angst. If you aren't a name or have no track record, it's easier to get the attention of a potential backer or supporter, producer or performer with something that's funny rather than with something that's serious. A light touch is better than heavy angst and woe when you're starting out, especially if you are young. However dramatic your ballads, however heartfelt your agony, angst is not the best way to launch your career. Once you're established and older, then you can be as gloomy as you like. You might well have more reason to be. I hope not. Once you've made a mark, those with clout, those who matter, will have the time and patience to go with your more serious offerings. But at the start of what you plan to be a long and magnificent career, immediate smiles, quick-fire gags, and instantly catchy melodies fit the bill better. Before you decide to follow my snippets of advice with unflagging devotion and efficiency, I should point out that while in theory I've been around long enough to have grasped what's been happening in musical theatre in the past few decades, in practice I might just be an old codger who lost the plot somewhere around the turn of the century. Your call. So I can only say that if you write a show with no real plot, taking every opportunity to express your unimpeachable political and social stance, aiming at a specific minority community with loads of false rhymes set to a bunch of tunes that have no musical connection with each other and is four hours of non-stop doom and gloom which you've never even performed live in your front room, send a recording of it. Yes, just a mere recording to a producer and you'll probably have the biggest hit since Les Mis. The final and most important golden rule, number 10, is there are no rules. Starshine, so happy to be in 
That was episode 37 of my podcast, written and introduced by me, Tim Rice. And the man at the controls is Peter Hobbs. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.